Not safe for network. I'm Biggs. So I'm going to start the show with some comic book news that we could not get to when I recorded with Brandon earlier in the week. And then I will cut into my conversation with Brandon, which will hit many more topics. But starting out, Eliza Clark, who's the showrunner for Why the Last Man, announced her show was being canceled on Twitter. She stated, we have learned that we will not be moving forward with FX on Hulu, season two of Why the Last Man. I never in my life have been more committed to a story, and there is so much more left to tell. Why the Last Man is about gender and about how oppressive systems inform identity. We had a gender-diverse team of brilliant artists led by women at almost every corner of our production. Producers, writers, directors, cinematographers, production design, costume designs, stunt coordination, and more. It is the most collaborative, creative, fulfilling, beautiful thing I've ever been a part of. We don't want it to end. FX has been an amazing partner. We have loved working with them and we're sad why The Last Man is not going forward to FX on Hulu but we know that someone else is going to be lucky to have this team and this story. I've never experienced a remarkable solidarity on this by so many talented people. We are committed to finding why it's next home. Hashtag why lives on. This show being canceled is not a shocker to me. When we were doing our review about this show before, I talked about how those first two episodes were just really, really hard to watch because of the pandemic because it takes place during a a pandemic, and it revolves around that. I did not get further than episode three, but I know episode three, for me, tonally got a lot better. However, you are talking about an episode where he wanders into the West Wing at one point, and it's filled with dead bodies because they haven't gotten around to getting the dead government workers out of there. So, all of this being said, it really sucks that the show's going off, and it's clearly a show that's helmed by women, and run by women. And so it's a bummer that it's going off the air because it's one of the few shows where you have a pedigree like that. And so I do hope it finds another place. But I got to be honest, I just think the subject matter, it's a hard sell. It's a really hard sell. And like, I think that this show would have done gangbusters in 2019, 2020, 21, possibly going ahead for a while. I just don't think we want to engage with pandemic stuff in that way. Now, Sweet Tooth was able to talk about the pandemic. We were able to accept it because it was so far out of reality. I mean, you're talking about a kid running around with horns and they're like half animals. It was so syrupy the way that they delivered that show that you could kind of divorce yourself from the pandemic situation because it really wasn't very much like the pandemic we're going through. But this show, Why the Last Man, the things that they showed were so depicting what we saw during the pandemic. And I got to be honest, man, like having read some of the comics, I felt like they doubled down onto the pandemic stuff. And I don't know if that's because they were filming in the pandemic. So they were looking at how it looks. And then at some points, they were just going way, way grimmer than they covered in the comics. So it's just a tough sell, man. Like basically your audience at this point is going to be people who run to the fire, right? Like people who don't want to forget about the pandemic stuff, who don't have a problem with it and would rather engage it through art. That's going to be your audience. And they might have enough 
enough of an audience, and I hope that they do, because it would be a bummer for all the reasons I stated earlier if this show goes off the air. But even for me, man, it's just hard to engage with it. And it was a really well done show. But it's like we're still not out of this pandemic yet. And I guess the art that I engage with it, I want to make me think about the situation we're in rather than just look at a worst case scenario which is really what that show is okay so moving on the dc had its fandom and tons of things came out as a result so peacemaker dropped a trailer for the series on hbo max it'll have eight episodes five of them directed by james gunn james gunn loved doing this he even said back in april that he loved doing the show so much that after guardians 3 he was considering shifting the tv is that true it might be i mean we've had a lot of discussion about how the line between movies and tv is just getting blurred and you have all this stuff that's released on hbo max including the new halloween movie which by the way i was going to review but i fell asleep three times i was so tired uh i got sick and i just could not stay awake but anyway we've got all of this stuff that's hitting streaming at the same time it's hitting theaters we've got stuff that they're like you know what forget about it we're just going to drop it to streaming and then we've got stuff that you can buy on streaming while it's in theaters like that's getting blurred but then on top of it you have so many big directors that are going over and making tv shows now and they're finding that with this format they can tell a lot more of the story than they could in like a 90 to 120 minute movie it's very possible he could be serious about this but it else could be selling the show i don't know we'll have to wait and see but i think that the fact that the suicide squad was going on to hbo max when it got released to theater i think james gunn could could see the writing on the wall that this is not going to be good for my movie and maybe he's got that in the back of his head that it's time to pivot my career and if that's the case then it's a smart time to make that pivot because i do think that movie theaters are going to get smaller and smaller i'm surprised that a lot of them survived as far as they have but i just think that's the direction the industry has been going progressively over the last 10 years and i can't imagine that these big box office movies are going to still happen the way that they happen and certainly not these little independent movies that you can go to in an art house theater like those have got to be hurting right now i mean it's really rough for the movie theater industry so i could see james gunn wanting to get out of that and finding a home on hbo max i'm sure if he wanted to do something for disney plus that would be there for him as well he said that the peacemaker show is going to be based off of the shitty and that was his term but i would agree shitty 1970s captain america tv shows so i believe what he's referring to is they did a collection of these captain america tv movies i think for nbc back in the 70s and they were so hokey like it was basically a cop who got a bunch of steroids and then became captain america and they would have scenes that there's a youtube clip that cuts this stuff up and it's hilarious and he throws a shield at one punk and you just see him sitting there like holding a knife and then it's just the slowest frisbee that's like and then it slowly just hits him in the head and he falls over and that thing had to have weighed like a pound there's no way that that should knock him over but i think he's saying like this peacemaker show is kind of in that where it's like the character is unintentionally funny now i'm sure he's making him funny but i'm guessing that based off of the energy i saw off of the suicide squad with john cena's peacemaker character and that i think that that character is funny to everybody but he's not trying to be intentionally funny and so this trailer we just see him 
had some back and forth with this actress from Orange is a New Black. Man, I don't know her name, but she was really, really good in that show. And so I'm happy that she's in the show because she's really good at handling drama and comedy. And it just seems like there's a push and pull between their characters where John Cena is basically a dick. And she's like, people could like you if you're not a dick. And then they have this scene where he sees Eagly, who we talked about, I think, in the last episode. And it spreads out his wings and he hugs it. And I found out that James Gunn had tweeted that he actually based it off of this one YouTube video. And so I went and looked it up. And so it's this guy who's talking about this eagle that he had. And at one point, the eagle just nuzzled into him and spread its wings and kind of gave him a hug. And it was this eagle that he had saved. And he was having a really down moment in his life and I was like oh okay so they're not just doing this for comedy they're actually doing it based off of something which is kind of cool but you see John Cena is like go get my camera I don't want to disturb it go get my camera so it's like you transport that moment that happened 10 years ago with this eagle to today of course people are trying to get it on Instagram or Snapchat or whatever I just think that's hilarious so they also had the Batman trailer drop look I can go through all the stuff that's in the trailer everybody else has seen it I want to hyper focus on something here so matt reeves and the writer of the batman and everybody from dc who's talked about this has said they are delivering something that is unique that is new to the batman mythos that's gonna blow everybody's minds okay they also said that this was going to be a detective story now do i want to see a detective story with batman not particularly i don't give a shit but it's something that they promise with every movie but they've been going overboard talking about how this would be something something different dude i watch a trailer i'm sorry i don't know what everybody's seeing on this who's like hyping it out i'm sure it's gonna be fun don't get me wrong so it sounds like Patterson is using the kind of growl that Christian Bale did in his Batman movies. We've got action sequences that seem like they're kind of lined up with Snyder's action sequences. We've got a Catwoman who's kind of flirty with him and talking with him. We've got a Riddler in the shadows. We don't really know his deal. We've got a Penguin who seems to be kind of a gangster. Now add all this stuff up and I'm like, so what's going to blow my mind about this? Like what's new about this? I don't think there's anything new about this. This just feels like every other Batman movie to me. I'm sorry. I'm just calling it out. Like, is it going to be good? I don't know. Probably. Like, I enjoy most Batman movies, but you promised to give me something new and I'm not seeing something new. So I just wanted to point that out because if I'm being honest, that is my takeaway from this trailer. Huh. Looks like all the other Batman trailers. Whatever. Maybe it's just DC has gotten this down to science where Star Wars movies where it's just like you watch it and you learn fucking nothing from it because it's just vague stuff where you see rocks floating or whatever and you see the exact same thing in all three of the the episodic movies for Star Wars. It's basically the same trailer. They're just recutting it with new footage. There's nothing here. Is it going to be a great mind-blown movie? I'm going to say no. I I don't think it is. I think it's going to be a Batman movie and how much you enjoy it, your mileage is going to be varied. But all these fans who are really ready to jump in with this new thing or maybe edgy Batman or Batman who kills people, I have my doubts. I really have my doubts on this. Uh, So we got a Flash trailer. And of course, it seems like they're doing the Flashpoint TV show. We know Ben Affleck is in this along with Ezra Miller playing the Flash and of course Michael Keaton is supposed to be in this movie reprising his Batman from the 1989 Batman movie and the 92 Batman Returns movie. I guess my really big takeaway from this is they want you to know Michael Keaton's in it without showing you Michael Keaton. They have him talking over the entire trailer. 
trailer, which for a lot of actors that wouldn't work because this trailer is for people my age. This trailer is not for really young people who don't know Michael Keaton very well. This is for us. This is them saying like, hey, your old Batman's going to be there. And you can tell there's a part where there's the Batmobile underneath this blanket and the guy goes to pull it off and look at it, whoever this character is, and it goes black and he's like, that's so fuck. Like, I think he's going to say fucking cool, but they cut it off. They're just trying to hit you in all the feels without showing anything. And I don't know if that works. It's weird. Like, I know what they're going for, but I already knew the news that he's in it. So seeing the trailer doesn't give me those spine tingly feels. You know what? I'm sorry to go back to Star Wars again, but I do want to make a comparison here. So when the Force Awakens trailer comes out, they do a very smart thing, which is they show you the Millennium Falcon flying through and you get all of those feels when you see the Millennium Falcon like winding around and all the ships coming after it. And then you see Han Solo saying, Chewie, we're home. Even though I know the movie's not nearly as great as that moment in the trailer was, I got goosebumps just talking about it because it invoked my childhood. This does not really invoke my childhood. This is more like, hey, guys, guess what? The rumors you heard are true. And I'm guessing that they're saving that stuff for the next trailer. If I was a betting man, I would say that we're going to get Michael Keaton in the next trailer. And then the final trailer will probably get Ben Affleck's reveal in there. Because I'm pretty sure Ben Affleck is supposed to be in this as well. I don't know if it's a swan song or what. But I'm guessing that that's sort of what they're going to do. Because typically D. DC does about three trailers. Now, did I need to be spine tingly? No. I just think they were going for spine tingly. Didn't quite hit it for me, but I've been keeping up with the news. Maybe people who aren't, this will be a revelation for them. And then the final trailer I want to talk about here is the Black Adam trailer. So, of course, The Rock is going to play Black Adam, which he immediately went on Twitter after he tweeted the video. And people were, like, bringing up, like, oh, looks like he's going to be a handful. Only Superman could handle him. And he's like, I would kill Superman. And he went on to this whole speech about how when he was a kid he wanted to be a superhero. But then he realize that superman's moral code it wasn't something he could live with and so now his superhero dreams are coming true i'm just as confused at the start of this as i was at the end of it i kept thinking this is weird that they're having basically a super villain leading this movie i was interested in it i've been interested in it i continue to be interested in it but it seems like a weird choice because the rock infamously won't lose a fight in movies how do you have him play a villain and never lose a fight that seems like a difficult thing to me and watching this trailer it seems without a doubt he is a villain now are they going to go anti-hero on him that could be i just don't know are they going to make him the big bad and have all the other dc characters center around that might be a really fun smart idea is he going to accept losing that battle i don't know like i don't know where his ego is on this whole thing that's the hard part about this is it's the rock of it all like if this was just tom hardy playing it or somebody like that you could be like okay he's gonna understand that at the end he's gotta lose this but like it wouldn't even be a question it would just be understood but with the rock i don't know it's weird man it's really weird but it looks good from the little bit i saw of it a little dumb at parts right like you got some people that run up to him with machine guns as he appears and they're like like all these machine guns and he pulls out one bullet and i'm like really 
there was just like 300 rounds put into you and you pulled out and suspended one bullet. It was a weird choice. There was a lot of weird choices in the trailer, but whatever. It looks like it's going to be fun. So I look forward to that. Okay, last piece of news. This came out before the DC Fandom, which by the way, what is with that name? DC Fandom? Ugh. Jonathan Kent, who is Superman's son and the Superman and Lois show, as well as a comic book called Superman, Son of Kal-El. He has come out as bisexual in the comics. There are just a range of opinions all over the place. I have been reading a lot of stuff that was positive to this, talking about how this seemed like it was a good idea. And honestly, DC has been behind in the progressive aspect of all of this for a long, long time. And so it's good that they come out front and they put it onto one of the main characters. Now, is he the main? character he's an iteration a side character but we've seen it with miles morales the fact that he carries that name superman it's important it is important and you never know what's going to happen with that character because at some point that might become the cool character like miles morales spider-man has become the cool character for spider-man like he was derided by fox news and all of these red meat republicans when it came out and now he's kind of the more popular spider-man character like he really is he's he's at least the one Who's the cooler one? Like, we all kind of recognize that. So that has a possibility to pop like that in this particular title. Anyway, he's going after a reporter, which that part of it is um, is like, come on, dude. Like, your dad marries a reporter, and that's the only part of it where I'm just like, whatever. Like, I'm fine with being bisexual. Going for another reporter, it's like, that's weird, dude. That's just like hooking up with your mom. Like, just go a different lane. I know incest porn is big right now, but, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, of course, there was people that derided this. And Dean Kane, who played Superman in the New Adventures of Superman in the 90s, which I really enjoyed that show. It had Terry Hatcher. Bruce Campbell was on it a whole bunch. And Dean Kane said, they said it's a bold new direction. I say they're bandwagoning. I don't think it's bold or brave or some crazy new direction if they had done this 20 years ago perhaps that would be bold or brave but brave would be having him fight for the rights of gay people in iran when they throw you off a building for the offense of being gay why don't they have him fight the injustices that created the refugees whose deportation he's protesting that would be brave i'd read that or fighting the rights of women who attend school and work and live and boys to not be raped by men under the warm and fuzzy taliban okay so i got a bunch of thoughts on this so i'm just gonna kind of parse this a little bit at a time so the first thing is before he said all of this he said he can't keep up with all the iterations of superman it's very clear dean kane's not a comic book reader that's fine that's great i don't need my person wearing superman tights to actually read those books i don't care it's just about the portrayal on screen But, man, don't say I'd read those books because you wouldn't. Like, you're not a comic book reader. Let's just take it to real before we actually parse what you said. That little part makes it false right away. Now, the other thing you got to understand about Dean Cain, because I read this and it had a couple of dog whistles in it, mostly, honestly, invoking the Middle East and putting Middle Eastern people into a bad light. Is there legitimacy behind some of the stuff he said? Sure. Whenever they talk about changing the status quo here in America, it's always look at this other thing. This other thing is more important. Ignore the thing you're doing. You shouldn't be doing that because you should be worrying about this other thing. And then they blow the dog whistle of the world events that they're mad about. This is Republican play 101. Now, why do I say this? Number one, Dean Kane, 
Voted for Trump in 2020. Voted for Trump in 2016. Voted for McCain in 2008. Voted for Bush both times that he was up. Yes, he did vote for the Clintons and Gore, but he said that that was a mistake. And he is now on the board for the NRA. So it's like, let's just put it all out on Front Street, like Dean Kane, wherever he was when he was playing Superman. He is now a right-leaning dude. That's fine. You can lean to the right, but let's just be honest about your politics since you're letting it leak into all of this. And we all know the Republicans are not always the best about LBGTQ issues. They're just not. And so when you talk about Afghanistan, the Taliban coming in and raping women, that might be a story. I haven't heard that particular one. That actually might be a thing. There are plenty of problems with women. However, I really did not see the Republicans really like rushing to help out the refugees so much either in Afghanistan. Like this is the thing that the other side of the aisle has been really bad on as well as the Democrats. Like we had fucked that country for a long time and we are fucking them by our indifference on this entire issue, to be honest. So Dean Kane trying to make this out like this is him using it as a wedge issue. Make no mistake about that. The other thing is where he's talking about having him fight for the rights of gay people in, in Iran where you get thrown off a building for the offense of being gay. You know what? There is really fucked up things in Iran. But once again, Dean, you don't read comic books. If you're going to have Superman do something like that, establish that he's bisexual first and then have him see this injustice. That's writing 101. If you read comics, Maybe you would understand that. And I really hate that I researched Dean Kane. This is one of these things that I do for the show that just kills my soul because like, I just want to love Dean Kane. I don't want to know that he's my political opposite. I don't want to know that, but you just read some of these subtle little comments and they're subtle. That's the thing. They're very subtle. And you're like, huh? That looks like a trap that I shouldn't put my leg in because I'm going to hurt forever, but I better put my leg in there and find out. And that's exactly what I did. God damn it. Anyway, so here's my conversation with Brandon to finish out the show. Okay, so you have some sort of Android news to lead off with today? Well, I just want to start with, uh, I want to welcome my new robot overlords. Is this about the Roombas that are taking over everything? No, this is about a uh, Android robot is named Sophia. was created in Japan, I believe. In 2017, Saudi Arabia gave it citizenship. Okay. So it's an autonomous person. It like has its own AI and everything. So it just came out yesterday that the robot wanted to have a baby and start start a family. So how's that going to be accomplished? <laughs> I don't know yet, but I feel like uh, Skynet's happening. <laughs> if you want Skynet, this is how you get Skynet. Yeah, for real. This is really weird. I mean, is it going to build a family? Is it going to have somebody build a family? Is it going to try and impregnate somebody? Like, what is the plan here? I don't get it. Is it going to draw something and then just flip motion it so that it's like a kid growing up and then he can just do the flip book whenever he feels like it. <laughs> yeah, just like, I'm ready for an upgrade, mummy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is creepy and we need to stop doing what we're doing right now. <laughs> so the robot says, and this is a quote directly from Sophia, the notion of family is very important, it seems. I think it is wonderful that people can find the same emotions and relationships that they call family outside of their blood group. But it doesn't have blood. <laughs> oh, God. This is not going to be good. <laughs> 
I don't even know if this is a Skynet thing. This feels more like an Ex Machina thing, like the end of Ex Machina. You know what I mean? Oh, it definitely feels like an Ex Machina thing. Ugh, that's not good either. But I mean, robot having babies, is that's more Skynet. But the, the robot with autonomy... That's definitely ex machina. I'm not in love with this. So let's go to some <laughs> casting news before my head blows up. By the way, that is a tactic we can use is if they start to overtake them, just start doing a rational math at them and then their head will blow up. Two plus two equals five. Two plus two equals does not compute. <laughs> We need to build everything with Star Trek rules. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. I know you said you weren't going to watch Star Trek Prodigy, but would it make a difference if you found out that some of their voice cast, and I'm going to go through this one at a time, Robert Beltran from Voyager. He was the first mate. He was the native guy who was playing some sort of alien. Okay. Doesn't excite me. Okay. All right. Let's take it up a level. Jamila Jamil. So for people not in the know, she was the one in uh, The Good Place who was the socialite. Does that change your mind? No, not really. David Diggs from Wonder and more famously Hamilton. He plays Jefferson. And man, he's good at that rap musical. That doesn't. No? I haven't seen any of those. All right. I'm pulling in the heavy hitter here. What about George Costanza? Jason Alexander is going to be a voice cast on it. I mean, it doesn't bring me in, but interesting. Does it bring you in to remember that he's in the movie Pretty Woman? Oh, I definitely remember that, but no. How about Shallow Hal? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, some movies don't age that well. No. <laughs> that movie basically aged like a Milk. painting was fucking taking its soul the second it came out. Like, it was not good from the get-go. So you don't want to hear him on a, a Star Trek cartoon for kids talking about cankles? I tried. So Star Trek Prodigy, not for you Was still. he in the pool, though? Shrinkage. Shrinkage. Speaking of that, have you checked out Seinfeld on Netflix? I have not, and it's for a very specific reason. I got scared away because I read that they chopped off the 4-3 aspect ratio to make it look widescreen, and a lot of the jokes are missing from it as a result. Stop it! Stop fucking with this shit! Stop it, stop it, stop it. Why do they do this shit? All I want is to see the thing like it's supposed to be seen. If it's filmed in a box, then show the box. If it's filmed in widescreen, and boomers, this is for you. Don't fuck up your TV so that it doesn't show the right way of the widescreen or put it into 4.3 when it's supposed to be a widescreen. Or even more egregious, take that 4.3 and then turn it into widescreen so that everybody has short, stubby heads. (sighs) Just show shit like it's supposed to. Smart TVs do it automatically for you. They had to go and take somebody to literally go and like make those frames over it and put black bars over the entire thing. That was somebody's job was to spend hours and hours and hours on each episode to make it not correct. Stop it. (laughs) Nobody wants that. You know what I mean? Like, even if you think you want that when you see it and a joke is cropped out, you don't want it. You know? Yeah. God, it just drives me crazy, dude. We should all understand at this point that, like, things have different aspect ratios. Leave them alone. Yeah, I know too many boomers. That concept is way over their pay grade. I had to set up my mother-in-law's boyfriend's TV, and he basically uses it to watch westerns, and he watches uh, John Wayne movies. Okay. That is it. No, I I, and 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 the cooking channel. (laughs) And the food network, I guess it is. So what does he do with the aspect ratio? If there's any black on the screen, there will be hell to pay. 
Oh, I hate that. Yeah, and he's uh, he bought like a 55-inch widescreen TV. Okay, this is what we need to do. We need to up this for older people. We need to have a TV that like has almost like a projection thing onto it. And so it like shrinks with the aspect ratio so that people don't fuck with it. <laughs> with our luck, they'll probably take cashews or something and like pop them into the side so that it can't close. Like, ah, oh, you're making my TV smaller. Yeah, I'm sorry. This is like so my pet peeve i don't know how we got here it was somehow star trek voyager it's not worth tracking how we got there i think it was jason alexander right yeah it was your fault you brought up shrinkage if you bring up shrinkage it's always going to go to aspect ratio (laughs) (laughs) because when the size is incorrect everybody knows they should know anyway but everybody doesn't know everybody knows about shrinkage shrinkage. think everybody knows but everybody doesn't know (laughs) it shrinks (laughs) exactly So let's move on to some Guardians of the Galaxy news. So uh, Will Poulter has been announced by James Gunn on Twitter to play Adam Warlock in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Poulter is famous for the Black Mirror Bandersnatch episode, as well as taking a piss on the Colts' ancestors in Mid-Sumar. That's the two things I know that dude from. Yeah. Of a lot of bad Americans in that movie, he is the worst American. (laughs) He's basically the peacemaker of that group. So what is your familiarity with Adam Warlock? Little to nothing. So basically, he starts out in a cocoon. We saw this cocoon in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. He constantly changes forms like he's ever-evolving. He'll like suddenly go into a cocoon again and become something else. But I think the most famous thing he did in Marvel Comics was in the Infinity Saga. Can I just play out how, how the whole Infinity Stone thing plays out in Marvel Comics, like that original story? Go for it. Okay, so... Thanos gets all the stones. There's like a big ass lead up to it. But the actual story, it's like Thanos now has the stones. And so he's trying to impress Lady Death because in Marvel, Death is a lady and it's a lady that Thanos is trying to impress. Now, later on, they made it like he's probably insane and not actually seeing death. But in the story, it's definitely death because it's like a cosmic story and they have all these weird elements. And so cosmic stories in Marvel are always just like, just go with it. Don't think too hard about it, you know? Right. So he realizes that like death isn't happy with him when he becomes powerful. And so he thinks it's because he's not murdering all the people that he promised that he would murder for her. So as all of Earth's mightiest heroes are heading towards him, he like snaps out half the population, right? So that's how that happens. Half the heroes disappear and she's still not happy. And then he just like kicks the shit out of the Avengers and she's still not happy. All the gods come after him. And I'm talking bearded Thor because at this point in the comics, Thor had like this big ass beard. Like in the 90s, they were just like belt pouches, beards, and big boobs. Uh, It was the three Bs, man. (laughs) Thor comes at him, Odin comes at him, time and fate come at him, like all of these big concepts come at him. The chess master, like Jeff Goldblum, he comes at him. Just all of these people come at him and he just wastes them all because he has the Infinity Stones and nobody's a match for him. He starts torturing Nebula and stuff and Nebula is always loyal to him, but he starts torturing her and sacrifices her to death and then she's still not happy and it turns out she's not happy because he's now more powerful than she is. At least that's what he thinks death doesn't talk 
So Thanos is assuming a lot of things about what death wants, right? Yeah. So how do you think this story resolves itself? Just out of care, like take a guess off of everything you know so far, you know the basic setup. How do you think this resolves itself? You know, I don't. So Adam Warlock comes and talks to him and they have a conversation and he's talking to Thanos about what he really truly desires, not what he can get with the stones, but what he actually wants. And he starts to think about it and he realizes what he actually wants is a peaceful life like he was born looking different he was basically a mutation he wasn't the way he was supposed to look like all the people on his planet basically they kind of look like humans a little bit and he's this like weird looking thing that's really powerful and smart but he's just odd and warped and so he realizes all he wanted was a simple life like all they had he wanted to like farm and just be at rest when he's thinking about that he basically wishes it and so he doesn't have the stones anymore and then Adam Warlock has the stones and then so Adam Warlock basically takes the stones and is like now I have them I'm in charge and tells everybody that he's gonna be benign and just snaps himself away and then I don't know how that resolves because I never got to there in the story I know he doesn't have them anymore they are destroyed in Marvel Comics but they're only destroyed as long as they want them destroyed, right? Like, right. they could come back at some point. Tony I, Stark. I know where they are. Where's that? They're sitting in the desk at the TVA. Yeah, exactly. So this is kind of interesting, too. So what happens with the stones is basically these two universes are about to collide. And it's Marvel 616, which is the regular... Um, timeline and the ultimate universe in marvel they are going to collide and they can't seem to stop it and so there's this group the illuminati and so it's like namor and it's strange and it's stark and it's just like guys like this that are all together i think reed richards has a part of it and they decide that the only way they can stop it is by using the infinity gauntlet tony stark puts it on his hand and then wishes to like basically stop the universes from colliding but it doesn't fucking work it destroys the gauntlet the fucking stones like it they're utterly annihilated and then basically the two universes merge into one and we talked about this with what if a little bit like basically that created the battle worlds and all of this sort of stuff where there's all these crazy things going on and they did all sorts of interesting stuff in the comics but the end result of that was reed richards basically became a god and made one world out of the two worlds that was a more benign world because dr doom kind of had control of it and that is a long way to say that was marvel taking the fantastic four off the table so there wasn't any more fantastic four stories because they were trying to fuck over Fox. <laughs> right? <laughs> this was all just a power play with Disney to fuck with Fox long before they were going to buy him. So, anyway, so Adam Warlock is kind of known for being the most powerful being in the world for a while there. He did have the Infinity Gauntlet. What's he going to do in this movie? I have no idea. But he's probably going to go after the Guardians, right? Because he was created by that race and they ripped off something from that race at the very Their beginning batteries. of the movie. Yeah. So, uh, I'd imagine he's not going to be super thrilled with them. Yeah, I, I don't think it, they're going to be on the same team at the beginning anyway. We also know that there's a Christmas special coming up before the movie, like a little bit before the movie. And James Gunn has said a lot of the big characters that are going to be in the movie are in the Christmas special. And you cannot separate them like you need the Christmas special to make sense of the third movie. So do we think Adam Warlock might be 
introduced into the Christmas special? I don't think so. You don't think there's going to be like a Hanukkah cocoon or anything? I mean, we've already seen the cocoon. Yeah, it might be hatching. It's a Kwanzaa miracle. I'm just trying to say like, it shouldn't all be Christmas, right? It could be life day. How about that? Worlds collide, Jerry. Worlds collide. What was your favorite thing this guy was in? I know you've seen some of it. This Will Poulter guy. Uh, Definitely Bandersnatch. The Bandersnatch thing. I played it once, got a super high score, so I was satisfied with it and never went through it again. Because we sat down as a family and we were doing a thing where we would like make a choice and then you had to pass the remote to somebody else and they made a choice and then we like pass it around the room. Somebody we- just wanted honey snacks every morning <laughs> or whatever it was. So doesn't it start with like what kind of cereal you eat? Yeah, and then, like, what station you put on the radio or whatever it was. So the first time, like, we died, like, two minutes into the show. So we started over and then got to an end. That's the only time I played it. Okay. Yeah, I guess they recorded something like eight hours of material for that. There's a lot there. Yeah, and I think all of the scenarios where you make it to the end, I think Will Poulter's character has to die for that to happen. Yeah. Dude, Will Poulter, by the way, like, he kind of looks like, how can I put it? Sid from Toy Story? No, but sure. (laughs) Without braces, right? No, I was going to say he looks like, who's the really geeky one who's like on the computer? He's not one of the main guys, but he's the one who's just like, dude, that kid's in my trig class or something like that. Yeah, I know the kid you're talking about. He looks like that kid, but not so much like that kid where he looks like he could actually like get out into society and interact with people (laughs) rather than just like going in AOL chat chat rooms all day long and being like, you want a cyber? That joke is for people in their 40s. (laughs) (laughs) We all understood exactly what was going on with that. (laughs) Way to age is their bigs. Yeah. Dude, we came up with a, well, we, whoever it was who came up with the terms, came up with a lot of fucking dumb terms for the internet in the 90s. Surfing the internet. It was probably boomers, right? They were probably the ones that came up with these terms. Surfing the net. What was some other stuff we had that hasn't aged very well when you think back on it? The World Wide Web. The World Wide Web. Yeah, which is pronounced WWW, or it's it's abbreviated WWW. Cody Eckmeyer pointed this out, the abbreviation is longer to say than saying World Wide Web. But World Wide <laughs> Web sounds really dumb. Right. You just can't win, dude. <laughs> and we don't even have to say WWW. You can just type it in without it. But, like, it doesn't sound right unless... Oh, God. God damn it, dude. <laughs> yeah. And all it took was somebody to be like, oh, we can do the DNS registrations without the WWW. Do you think kids today see a movie like You Got Mail? Like, just see the title and have no context for what that's referring to. Because that movie comes out, everybody understands that's got something to do with email, which was the next big thing at that point, right? Because American Online, you would, like, pop into it and it would go, you've got mail. Do you think they have any idea whatsoever what that's talking about? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're probably not familiar with that. But, I mean, I don't think anybody that's drinking age or younger that knows even what a dial-up modem sounds like. You don't think there's enough movies and shows? No, but I mean, like, I've actually, like, physically oh, experienced it. it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, why would you? There's some people that have watched anything, like, mid to late 90s that somebody was using a computer. and They're watching it because they're doing a giant, like, cancel list. And so they're trying to figure out what they should cancel. So they're just going through the top 20 of every year. What is that horrible sound? <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't miss. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot that. <laughs> Fucking dial-up modems. Well, here's a seamless transition. So Timothy Chalamet will be playing Willy Wonka in a prequel slash reboot. This comes on the heels of Warner Brothers making a deal to exclusively produce content with Royal Dolls Estate. Paul King of the Paddington movies is to direct and Keegan-Michael Key will also star. It's slated for March 2023 to be released. How you feeling about this? I like Timothy Chalamet, but I'm looking at this and I'm like, went from like being the young promising like Oscar kid to like sell out that was fast he just kids don't know the term sell out though oh dude that's something to aspire to now they just call it my brand right branding yeah yeah wonka's my brand <sighs> uh no i like have zero skin in this like i did not like the last willy wonka movie gee why not <laughs> <laughs> Because, I did, you know, because they basically made him Michael Jackson, but the creepy parts of Michael Jackson. Yeah, that's something you want to take your kids to, right? Because uh, that's intentionally what Tim Burton was doing. And it's like, yeah, we all see that. Why are you doing that to this? <laughs> you know, it's funny because we grew up in a time between the Willy Wonkas. Yeah. So it always felt like Gene Wilder was really meant for us, but we've seen it. Beloved, dude. I love it. It never movie. really like felt quite right because it just felt like it was that generation older than us. To be fair, how much shit did you grow up on that was way older than us, though? I mean, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know, I, mean, ki- I know kids watch- can watch all this shit on streaming, but the stuff that they watch on streaming is like The Office or Friends. It's like, these sitcom things right and it's something that like everybody has made the choice to go watch and the generation has decided like these are the shows that we're gonna watch but with us it was like this is what's on tv this is what you're going to watch or or nothing else or go outside and play (laughs) like those are your choices you know willy wonka and the chocolate factory didn't even stand out to me growing up because it was just like we were used to watching shit that was or at least i was like fuck dude like mary poppins was a mainstay in my house you know why because like disney had everything on video and i grew up at a time when like video started to be popular and not everything was on video so you could only watch what was out right and like disney was really good about cultivating their stuff and holding back a few things Right, like uh, Song of the South, for example, which I did see when I was a kid, but I only remember snippets of. I definitely remember reading the book. And that's one of those things that, like, when I think back on it now, like, bear covered in tar, like, to be a tar baby and stuff, and don't throw me in the briar patch and all that. It was like, it's not a good look. It's not a good look at all. Hot takes from Biggs. Yeah. (laughs) Song of the South might be racist. No, 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 no. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying Song of the South is totally racist. (laughs) (laughs) There's no might be about it, dude. For some podcasts, I did a little bit of research on Song of the South and found out it was controversial when it came out. It wasn't something that dropped and everybody was like, who was white, was like, this is perfectly fine. It's a classic. And then it aged poorly. Like, it came out and aged poorly when it came out. Big seller in the South. Not a big seller in the North. Put it together. (laughs) Like, it came out in the 60s. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Do that math yourself if you know history, boys and girls. 
And if you don't know history, learn some history and then you'll figure it out. Yeah. Get on Wikipedia. Look up all this shit. Like just click on every link until you understand all of it. This is what I do for the show all the time. By the way, it's not good enough to click on the link because if you read something that's interesting, you need to click on that footnote so that it goes into the article and then you can read the whole article because usually it's way more interesting than the one sentence they give it to Wikipedia. And if that is not on there, then you need to take that sentence and you need to type it in different ways into Google so that you can find all sorts of other things that cover the same information that's still on the internet because Wikipedia, sometimes they're, they don't update their links. That's Research Corner, kids. So Wonka, I'm not super excited about this either. I don't know why I would go to watch this because my youngest kid is 12. I feel like that's probably not prime Willy Wonka age, but I've got this feeling and it's a bad one and it's that my wife is going to make me go to it. (laughs) Is there any chance your wife's going to make you go to Wonka, you think? Does she have a love of the Wonka stuff? No. I love the original, which is why I don't want to see it bastardized again, you know? Yeah, I do like the original. Like, don't get me wrong. Like. uh, No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you out there. You like the original. You're not in love with it, but you like it. It's a little side piece in your life. I got it. Go ahead. Yeah, Yeah. it is. It's not my main squeeze, but I like it. (laughs) You keep it around. It's your goo ma. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it just came off of that Many Saints and New Works podcast. <laughs> I love the original, man. I used to come home from school. I'd like taped it off a of TV and I would always fast forward it to when they got on the boat and I was like, fuck everything else. I got to go straight to the boat and I would watch that. Sometimes I'd watch the pure imagination part right before it. But it was like, fuck everything that happens before they go into the chocolate factory. And then it was just from that point on, I would watch it and it was gold for me. Now, as an adult, I do feel like the opening scenes are important because they're setting up what shitty kids they are how you should feel sorry for charlie right but they do drag on a bit yeah yeah like we don't need the candy man number at the very beginning of the movie the candy man can the candy man can dude i don't need to know about the candy man you know why because you're not a major player in this movie you're just passing the chocolate bar to charlie and making him look sad three times And then he gets the one that works. You have nothing to do with this. You don't need a song. You don't need a song. (laughs) You know what's funny about that? We could have had one more Oompa Loompa song. How many times I hear that, the Candyman song, and like my kids have no idea that's from Willy Wonka. Have your kids not seen the original Willy Wonka? They have glommed on to the Tim Burton. Oh my God. They have a real thing for Tim Burton movies, but then like that plus like... The, the real slow parts in the, the original one that, like, they just tune that out. I bet they glommed on to, like, some Tim Burton movies. I bet they're not a fan of all Tim Burton movies. You know what I mean? Like, I, I bet they're not rocking out to Ed Wood. My oldest would. Would or has? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I'll give you that. She is studying to be a cinematographer, right? Yeah. Ed Wood is his best film, like far and away. I really enjoy that movie. It's so good. It shouldn't be a Tim Burton movie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I retroactively hated him. I used to love him when I was a kid. And then at some point I was just like, fuck Tim Burton. I don't know exactly when it happened, but I can tell you it was somewhere along the Planet of the Apes sleepy hollow willy wonka run like somewhere in those three and i'm pretty sure those were back to back somewhere within those three i snapped and i was 
was just like, fuck Tim Burton. I know I didn't like any of those three movies, but I hate that Willy Wonka one. It's just like, yeah, it's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but we take out all the joy and we pack it with a lot of cynicism and then we make Willy Wonka look like a cat lady. Like, oh, that'll be fun. I hate that movie, dude. I hate it so much. Anyway, Warner Brothers has Roald Dahl's catalog, right? Yeah. So James Bond famously got Spectre and Blofeld back because this guy had written Thunderball with Albert Broccola and then he was just like fuck Albert Broccola so he took the rights of Thunderball away which took Spectre away and Blofeld away and then they eventually made Never Say Never again which competed with Octopussy in the same year right so what I'm asking you is is there a chance that Warner Brothers now has the rights to You Only Live Twice because that was written by Roald Dahl this could create a problem dude like anytime somebody wants to do a hollowed out volcano for like a criminal nope can't do it royal doll owns that anytime they want to have a character pretend like they're japanese and they're like three feet higher than everybody else and they just have slanted eyes to make them look asian nope can't do that royal doll did that warner brothers has cornered the market on racism and hollowed out volcanoes (laughs) asian racism well has he cornered the market on that i feel like maybe the greatest generation did just them in general have like cornered the market on it like do we all inherit that from our grandparents anywhere from that like Mid 40s to like boomers, 50 to 60s. Yeah, boomers have really taken the torch and run with it. And now we have redneck guys who shoot up massage parlors, right? Yeah, just taking that torch and running with it. God damn, yeah, they couldn't just let that burn out on the sidewalk, they had to pick that up, get that sucker lit strong, and run. But if I was Warner's, every time somebody shot up a massage parlor, like after they went to jail or whatever, I would then sue them. Royal Doll wrote this into You Only Live Twice. Like, <laughs> we own Asian racism. <laughs> the CEO of Warner Brothers was like, I'm going to make the world a better place and get richer in the process. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if you just copyrighted blackface and just anytime somebody did blackface, you're like, dude, you owe me like a hundred grand now. Oh, it's got to be a cool million. Oh, that little college party you were doing that you thought was so much fun with blackface. You guys are all going to court. See you next Wednesday. Wear a suit or don't. I don't give a shit. Go in blackface. You can pay twice. You've been served. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This would be a great strategy. Somebody jump on it. Jeff Bezos, you want to actually help the world? Don't go off to space on a rocket. Copyright racism. You know who who would actually take this and run with it? K-pop fans. This is something that's right in their wheelhouse. (laughs) Like they could make a corporation like could sue people for it. Yeah, I'm all for it. Whatever gets the job done, let's do it, man. We're America. We just need to be a lot smarter about how we tackle these issues. It's not about doing the right thing anyway. It's about doing the thing that gets the result, right? Like, the let's be, justify the means. Let's be Machiavellian as shit with this. <laughs> The next time Trump opens his mouth, he's just like, there's just like AIDS freaking out and writing out checkbooks next to him. 
Okay, so Will Forte was on Instagram, and he wrote out this post that said, MacGruber alert. Want to be the first person on the planet to see the new MacGruber series? That's right. Come watch a new MacGruber series with me and Ryan Philippe. Try on the actual Mac outfit. Flip through the hollowed pages of the KFBR 392 notebook. Just bid on the silent auction item and help us raise money for the Boys and Girls Club of Venice. By the way, if the auction item goes for 15000 unlikely, you will get a page from the KFBR 392 notebook of my choosing. If it goes for 30000 extremely unlikely, you can choose whichever page you like. If it goes for 100000 no chance. I will take you to frozen yogurt twice a year for the rest of my life. Fortes are known to live into their 90s. <laughs> if you miss that, the MacGruber series is going to premiere on Peacock, and it's going to premiere next year. I believe in January. Additional cast members to this are going to be Kristen Wiig, Lawrence Fishburne, Billy Zane, Sam Elliott, Yorma Taconi, and Lorne Michaels are among the producers of the show. Are you fucking excited about a MacGruber show, or do you think they should just leave it in the past? You know, that's one I think they could leave, because I don't know how much of, like, a sitting I can take of MacGruber. <laughs> like, the movie's, like, once every four or five years, maybe I can tolerate the movie, but, like... Tolerate. Tolerate. This is the man who picked it for box office battle and championed it. You did. Oh, was that me? That was you. Oh, well, I'm going to champion this show, too. (laughs) (laughs) That was basically the Mallrats thing where he's like, what happened to the man who punched his grandmother because she called his girlfriend low class? That was you and my grandmother and it was at Thanksgiving. Oh, no wonder she went down like a sack of flour. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I can't wait for this show. I'm so excited. I recognize this could be extremely bad. It could be the same joke over and over and over again. But I will say this. What was the joke with the MacGruber sketch in Saturday Night Live every episode? The bomb exploding and not defusing it. Yes. Okay. How many times does that happen in the movie? Once? Yeah, and it's a really big deal, and he stops it. So I'm just saying, like, already demonstrated with the MacGruber IP. That's right, I'm calling it IP. That, like, because, I mean, like, this is three things that it's in now, right? Like, it's a sketch, it's a movie, and now it's a TV show. This is fucking legit IP at this point. The MacGruber IP has already shown that they can stay away from, like, doing the same joke over and over again. But you know what? If they do the same joke, I'm all about it. I want to see Charles Barkley show up. (laughs) Oh, if Charles Barkley shows up, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) You people stand over there. What do you mean, you people? No, I'm just trying to say (laughs) MacGruber. That was an SNL sketch. Don't don't give me emails for that. <laughs> no, I'm kind of excited. I loved what they did with the movie, was which was just like make fun of every action movie ever. Like when they get the team together, way before Rick and Morty had the get the team together thing, he goes to get the team together and he's finally got them all together and he's got them in a van with all this C4 and he's talking to the colonel about it and then all of a sudden like he's like with this remote and it like hits it and it explodes his team and he's like, oh! <laughs> I killed my team. And he's just like crying. and Like, it's great, dude. It's so good. Or when he's having sex with his ghost (laughs) ex-wife. Well, ex-wife because she got killed by uh, Val Kilmer. But you know what I mean? Like, he goes to see her in his grave and it's playing Broken Wings. And he's just like making love to the tombstone. And then they do like, (laughs) yeah, they do the cutaway shot of showing him actually like humping a tombstone. And then they come back to showing Maya Rudolph. It's great, dude. 
It was so good, man. That movie was so funny. Yeah, you're way more excited for this than I am. I am so fucking excited, <laughs> dude. It's a Lonely Island joint. Yorma's involved. When it's Yorma, it's family. Like Kung Fury. Now, if they made a Kung Fury TV show. Well, we do got a Kung Fury 2 coming, but I haven't heard anything on that for a long, long yeah, time. Yeah, I haven't heard anything pushing forward on that. I hope it's because he's still just doing this by himself. And, like, it's just taking him forever to green screen everything into this half-hour movie. That's what I hope, because I want to see Kung Fury 2, and I want it to be as good as the original. Just take off where, like, Kung Fury ended and just keep going. Same style, same everything, just more. Just do whatever you want, man. Just do whatever you want. If you want to do a story about a ballerina who gets shot by, like... I don't know, like Yakuza, you might get sued by Warner Brothers because of the Rolla Doll estate, but I could see that being like a banger YouTube short, right? They What if they were with like KGB agents? Hmm. I don't think Royal Doll can sue for that. Yeah. That was like established so, way okay, earlier. Okay, like where is the line for Asian racism? Where like does, so if we get into like Asian Russian, is that like different what do you mean by asian russian like because most of russia is in asia okay like although most of the russian population is european because most of the population of russia is or at least the former soviet union is in europe but most of the country by landmass is in asia i don't know where to go with that (laughs) thank you for the geography lesson i'm like really bad at geography so (laughs) (laughs) Are you saying like, that Royal Doll owns the rights to all of like Asia? Asia racism, like like we said, Asia, like, yeah. like and I mean, so technically, even like uh, India is part of Asia. So okay, uh, <laughs> so like if you have a movie, because like, we think of like Asia Pacific. So you're Islander. saying like if we have a movie with an Indian doctor, then like Royal Doll's estate can get paid out. So, like, we could go after, say, Short Circuit. (laughs) (laughs) This feels wrong that Royal Dolls Estate would go after him because dude was racist as fuck. You know what I mean? (laughs) We should probably get off of this. We're far too white to be making these jokes. That 90s show is being made by Netflix. Kurtwood Smith and Deborah Jo Rupp are reprising their roles as Red and Kitty as grandparents to Leah Foreman, who they're watching for the summer of 1995. How do you feel about this one? I got to admit, the first I heard about it, I was like, fuck that. And then I kind of read it and I'm like, Red and Kitty are like big parts of it, huh? And then I was kind of interested because like, honestly, I still love Kurtwood Smith, man. He's the best. And to like fall in love with him in that 70s show and then realize it was the dude from RoboCop. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) he's a fucking classic in my heart. Yeah. See, Thinking back on that 70s show, it, like, is bittersweet because I loved a lot of that 70s show. And then, like, one of my favorite characters then is Hyde and just awful human being. Yeah, he was saying something about, this looks awesome and clearly trying to, like, talk it up to get a role on the show. And it's just like, dude, nobody's going to hire you, Danny Masterson. Like, you're a horrible human being. Danny Masterson has ruined a few shows. Like, I haven't gone back and watched that 70s show because he's on it. Well, he was fired by Netflix. Netflix from the ranch, like from specifically the ranch, yeah. by Netflix. There's no way he's getting on this show. Everything 
else aside, Netflix fired him. They're not bringing him back. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So we don't have to worry about a Hyde presence in the show. I'm going to be honest. Hyde was never my favorite character. I always thought Hyde was a douche. I mean, I laughed at some of the stuff that he did, but I don't have that worry because my favorite character was always Eric. It's been said before. It'll be said again. I tend to like root for the front runners in shows. Like I often gravitate towards the main character, but in this particular case, the main character is a nerd and like he brings people together to have them rip on him. This feels like my life right there. (laughs) This is what I do, dude. I like bring people into my house so that like we could talk about shit and then people make fun of me or tell me I'm wrong to my face, but I'm like pulling super nerdy shit. And uh, I like the idea that I can get a Donna. You know what I mean? I love Eric. I want to see Topher Grace on it and I doubt he'll be on it, but maybe we get a quick cameo with him. Oh, he definitely uh, is going to show like I think from the article I was reading they were trying to get like at least cameos from most of the cast yeah and who is it that plays Donna usually it's on the the tip of my tongue but I can't remember anyway she was on Orange is the New Black which was Netflix's first well second big hit I mean the one with Kevin Spacey was their first big House of Cards (laughs) yeah House of Cards but Orange is the New Black was pretty quick on its heels so I'd imagine she's probably an easy get because she's already got the connections with Netflix. So it's just a, a matter of trying to get it to toe for grace. But, I mean, I could see Ashton Kutcher showing up. Like, what's he fucking doing? You know what I mean? Yeah, he's not doing a whole lot other than just, like, living the high life. And isn't he married to Mila Kunis now? Yeah. So, like, if you get, he's if got, you get he, one, you get the got, other. And he's got money checks from Demi Moore, so. Really? He won on that end of the divorce? Like... She owes him money? Uh, you know, I I think she's worth a lot more than Ashton Kutcher. So he gets alimony for that? That's I, you ridiculous. Know, I, I am literally just speculating. Okay. <laughs> like, this is all speculation. I'm putting that... So don't, but I'm like. It's as true as Royal Dolls Estate is like, <laughs> gets checks off of racism. <laughs> Dude, when we sat down to record, this is the problem is like, I, I did some research this morning. I did not know that we were going to record today. And usually I kind of have it in my head what we're going to do in the show. I did not have anything prepared in my head. And this is what happens when you like just get Alex's id on the <laughs> microphone. It's like, it goes to some pretty fucked up places. <laughs> So you want to talk about John Gruden? (laughs) (laughs) It's a good transition. Uh, So I literally know nothing about this except for I think he said disparaging things about black people. And it turns out there's a whole history of it. Not black people. Okay, what is it? Like, I don't know. So I uh, I have like kind of forsaken football just for people who are listening. I used to follow really heavily in about must have been five years ago now. I just stopped watching. So John Gruden and for people that don't know, he is the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. This is like stepping in a time machine and going 15 years in the future. And you're like, what the fuck? It just like the subtle differences. When I quit, he was the super annoying Monday night football announcer. Yeah. And, and this now is he's stuff the he... coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders. Okay. All right. I'm just <laughs> yeah. trying to wrap my head around this. Yeah. Okay. So a few of his old emails got leaked somehow. And I, I haven't found out quite how it did, but he was calling people homophobic and misogynistic slurs. That was the most of it. Um, like the so a stereotypical football person. 
Yeah. They still pray in like 90% of the opening huddles. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they use it's the, not right, uh, but this is the what three it is. letter F word. Right. But the yeah. full version of that called Roger Goodell P word. And just like, I think it was more so that he like called people that are technically his bosses. Turn. So they called him out on it. Yeah. And, and then, then it turned, and then, and then all of so their he, employees were like, yeah, he's totally doing this stuff. I'm sure. As with everybody else in the league. Sorry. After the first guy came out as a active gay person in the NFL, like. Was that uh, Sam? I was still watching football when that happened. Didn't get drafted, as I recall. Or maybe he got drafted, but he got cut. I don't know. I, I think he got like cut in training but, camp, if I remember. So he sent out some emails like, we should hire a bunch of more blank, 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 blank. And I'm not going to fill in the blanks because I don't feel comfortable saying those terms. I mean, he just sounds like a douche. I always presumed he was. Now I know. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, we have that. (laughs) Fuck that guy. That's real easy. Yeah. And he was on the team I hate, so I didn't feel too bad. The Las Vegas Raiders? Yeah, I remember how you always used to, like, you and your family would get upset about Las Vegas all the time. (laughs) You know, it's the last few years have really fucked with me as far as being an NFL fan. For a long time, the AFC West was Denver, Oakland, Seattle. No, they were. Well, yeah, they, they used to be a long time ago. They were. Yeah, no, AFC that's West. what I'm saying. Oh, I'm just talking the last 20 years, 20. Yeah, 20 years ago. Totally. Uh, but there was Kansas City, Denver, San Diego Chargers and the Oakland Raiders. And then like half those teams are now in different places and it fucks with me hard. Yeah, I don't like it when teams relocate in general. I just don't like it. Like, for example, in the NBA, we have the Utah Jazz, and they don't allow jazz in Utah, so I don't un- or they don't black people music. for that matter. So I don't understand. Or music. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't understand why they get a team called the Jazz. That's always bothered me. And then New Orleans eventually got a team, but they had to steal it from Charlotte. So who now has their own team? Right, that they just started up because if you're in the South and you're super racist, you still get a team. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could see the regional breakdown of like who listens to this podcast because like I talk a lot of shit to the South and I honestly don't know how many people from the South listen to it. And they're just like, fuck y'all. I don't believe any of this shit. But then, you know, they're also writing out checks to Ronald Dole's estate. (laughs) Take it easy. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show. Follow us or reach out on Instagram at NSF underscore network, Facebook's Not Safe for Network page, or email Not Safe for Network podcast at gmail.com. Not Safe for Network was created and hosted by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Alex Small. Have a laugh with Lauren and Sarah as they dip in and out of topics every other week on their shiny new podcast, Dippers. Weekly pop culture news you can use, coupled with reviews, deep dives you can't refuse, and occasional interviews on Not Safe for Network. Every week, Jeremiah and Biggs break down influential movies, tracing their influences and effects on cinema. They also occasionally suffer through a really wretched stinker in the movie podcast, A Cosmic Void. Eric and Connor will guide you through the world of wrestlers on the big screen in the show you can understand just by its title, Movies with Wrestlers.